Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In chapter 8 of his short work, What is Art? Leo Tolstoy will criticize the art that's recognized as such in his own time, which we can call the art of the elites or of the upper classes, whether we associate that in terms of income and wealth, in terms of upper classes, or in terms of opinion formers and those who have certain competences that are acknowledged in terms of the elite or, or the intersection between the two, which is often the case in many societies. Tolstoy thinks that what they do can be considered art some of the time, but that much of it is in, in some respect a degenerate form of art that aims primarily at beauty and pleasure and that their understanding of art and that of many theoreticians and estheticians of the time is far too narrow. So it leaves out all the other manifestations of what Tolstoy thinks is genuine art, what he calls art in the broad as opposed to the narrow sense. So the argument that he's, he's actually making here is that elite art or the art of the upper classes is not true art, not universal human art, but rather something that is only for a specific group and that shouldn't be looked at as having a, the universal significance that is accorded to it. And we can apply this argument to our own time, I think, quite handily, as we'll, we'll see as we go through his, his considerations and discussions and arguments. So he says that if art is a human activity, the aim of which is to convey to others the loftiest and best feelings people have attained to in life, that's his definition of art. There's a little bit more to it, of course, but that's really at the core of what Tolstoy considers to be the essence of art. It provides a communication and a communion in feelings. And what makes it really good art is that these are feelings that are in some way necessary or wholesome, or they reveal to us something that we were missing out on before. So he says, this poses a little problem. How could it happen that mankind should live a certain rather long period of its life from the time when people cease to believe in the church teaching down to the present day without this important activity and be satisfied instead with the worthless activity of art that merely affords pleasure. So there's this devaluation going on on Tolstoy's part of art and theories of art or valuations of art that center it on beauty, beauty being understood as whatever is going to give us pleasure. And, and we could say that in the present day, there's perhaps not that much emphasis on beauty in art, but there are other aesthetic qualities that we might associate with it instead that do have to do in some respect with pleasure, pleasure understood in a very broad sense. So Tolstoy considers that a mistaken position. He also thinks that we easily fall into another mistake. He says, we have to correct the error people commonly make in ascribing to our 
art, the art of us. And here he's saying, you know, I'm, I'm one of the upper classes. I, I can identify with the ordinary people. And indeed, if you look at his life, he did a lot to try to inculcate that in himself. But he knew that he was coming from this prioritized or privileged status. So he says, our art gets ascribed the significance of of true universally human art. So he says, you might look at this in nationalistic or racial lines, cultural lines. He says, we're so used to regarding naively as the best human race, not just the Caucasian race, but the Anglo-Saxon, if we're English or American, the German, if we're German, the Gallo-Latin, if we're French, the Slavic, if we're Russian, that when we speak of our art, we are as fully convinced that it is not only true art, but also the best and the only art. And this is indeed quite common. There's a sort of ethnocentrism involved culturally in pretty much every advanced society that has its art. And as a matter of fact, even those that don't have quite as, as much technology or social organization or earlier in time, they all tend to think that their art is the best art. And Tolstoy says, that's not really the case. He says, not only is our art not the only art, as the Bible used to be regarded as the only book, but it's not even the art of all Christian humanity, just the art of a very small section of that part of humankind. So whose is it? It's the art of the upper classes, primarily developed for them, appreciated by them, patronized by them, might not all be produced by them, although they're the ones who often have the opportunity to go to art school and have drawing classes and have it part of their curriculum. But it's certainly oriented towards the tastemakers and the connoisseurs and those who have the means for patronage goes on and he says that since the upper classes of the Christian nations lost their faith in church Christianity, their art became separated from the art of the whole people. And there have been two arts, the art of the whole people and that of the masters. So this poses a real problem. The art of the upper classes becomes viewed as true and universal. The things that pass as art among the lower classes or middle classes are viewed as not really universal. They're the art of this group or they're of this genre or this content. He actually mentions a little bit later in the work, or it might be a little bit earlier in the work, his surprise at seeing a novelist saying that, ah, there's really not that much to say about the ordinary peasant working out in the fields and their experiences. I mean, you've seen one peasant, you've pretty much seen them all. But, you know, when it comes to like the things that the upper classes are interested interested in like fine liquors and having love affairs and dueling and things like that, then they can go into minute detail. And we see this still playing itself out. We have discussions about representation today, particularly in the art fields of TV and film and things where people are represented mimetically there. And then we can say, well, you know, we need to represent other people's experience. So Tolstoy has a few considerations that he wants to bring before us. One thing, and I think that this is still a good charge right now. He says, most people have little to no contact with the art of the elites. He says, 
If we're going to say that the art we possess is the whole of art, the true, the only art, then not only do two thirds of the human race in his time, all the peoples of Asia and Africa live and die without knowing this only true art, but furthermore, barely 1% of the people in our own Christian society, he's talking about the Russia of the 19th century, benefit from this art, which we call the whole of art. The remaining 99% of our European people live and die by generations working hard without ever tasting this art. So we could say it's gotten better in our own time. Not only have many art museums been created and field trips and opportunities and things like that, but there are many people who really never do encounter what we would call high art, right? And that would be a problem if indeed the art of the elites and the upper classes is supposed to be universal art. So, you know, one of the possibilities then is, well, what if we reorganize society? What if we change the conditions so that ordinary people could, in fact, get access to, to this art? He says, here's a, a, an objection, they'll say. It's not the art to blame, but the wrong organization of society. And then notice what he says next. It's possible to imagine that in the future, physical labor will be partly replaced by machines, will partly be lightened by its proper distribution, and the work of producing art will be done in turns. That there's no need for the same people can constantly to sit under the stage, moving the scenery, lifting machinery and playing on the piano or the French horn, or setting type and printing books. And those who do all that can work a small number of hours a day and in their free time benefit from all the blessings of art. So he's talking about, it's not even really a utopian reorganization of society, because I would say that in our own time, we have significantly realized that. Think about the fact that I record video lectures. Granted, these are not art, but we could make them artsy if we wanted to, right? And I do so on technology that is very cheaply and readily available. I have a voice recorder. I have a camera that's rather inexpensive a tripod, which we purchased for, I think, $25, two lighting kits purchased for $50 a piece, a blackboard purchased years and years ago, which I'll be using probably the rest of my career. And then I suppose you could say that the bandwidth, the, the internet access and the clothing that I'm wearing are also investments in that as well. And then the knowledge that I have up in my head and, and the books, right? It's relatively easy these days to do a lot of things. You want music to put into your video? Well, there's free music out there that you can access. As a matter of fact, great classical music on Moose Open or YouTube has some as well. And so maybe there's some case to saying that there's a much wider possibility of distribution. Technology has come in and leveled the playing field, both for producers and for the access of consumers or appreciators. So Tolstoy says, they cannot be unaware, the people who say this, that our refined art could emerge only on the slavery of the popular masses and can continue only as long as this slavery exists and that the specialists, writers, musicians, dancers, and actors can reach that refined degree of perfection only on condition of the hard work of laborers and that only on these conditions can there exist the refined public to appreciate such works. Free the slaves of capital and it will be impossible to produce such refined art. Now, we should think about this. 
It's possible to be an artist and put your work out there on the internet. Let's say you're, you're a graphic designer. You can put your work out on multiple sites, have your own website. Aren't you still participating in an economy though that in some ways is going to support you? The answer is yes. And it's not as easy to disentangle yourself when you think about all the things you need, clothing, food, electricity, Wi-Fi, all those things do in fact involve somebody doing some work. Even the entire gig economy that's replacing a lot of current work and does involve a lot of human labor still, artists rely on that as well. So, you know, this is something to keep in mind. He also points out another important factor. He says that even if we admit the inadmissible, that methods can be found to make it possible for all people to benefit from art, another consideration presents itself. Why present day art cannot be the whole of art, namely, he's maybe overplaying his hand a little bit here, it is totally incomprehensible for the people. It says poetic works were once written in Latin, but nowadays works of art are as incomprehensible for the people as if they were written in Sanskrit. To this, the usual reply is that if people don't understand our art now, it only proves that they're underdeveloped exactly as it's been with every new step in art. So then the key is to, instead of you know, complaining about that, give people art appreciation courses or music appreciation courses or other means that they can use to get something out of it. There are indeed some forms of art that are more demotic, you could say, more of the people that, that get elevated and then people can appreciate. If you think about popular music, that provides a lot of great examples. Or to some degree, street art and murals. Those are often easy to relate to. But go into the average art museum and get past the representational art and get into the 20th century stuff. And you walk up to things and you're like, what in the hell is this? And what am I supposed to make of it? And being told by the artist things like, well, I don't want to influence your interpretation. Art is whatever you make of it. It's understandable why ordinary people kind of shrug their shoulders and say, is this art? I, I, I guess so. I, I don't know. What the hell am I looking at here? And we could say the same for performance art or installations. You know, there's, there's a lot of things like this where people, they can't relate to it. So Tolstoy says that the defenders of present day art say that we just need to educate people. And he points out something really interesting here. Again, he says, we know the majority of upper-class works of art, such as various, now notice what he's calling upper-class art in his time, odes, narrative poems, dramas, cantatas, pastorals, paintings, and so on, which upper-class people admired in their time, have never afterwards been either understood or appreciated by the great masses and remained what they always were, an amusement for wealthy people of their time for whom alone they had significance. And we can conclude the same will happen to our own art, he's writing in in the, the late 1800s. And we can say the same about art in the 20th century and art in the 21st century. So he says, when to prove that people will in time come to understand our art, it is said that some works of so-called classic poetry, music, and painting, which the masses did not like at first, they began to like later after these works were offered to them from all sides. And he says, well, this doesn't really prove the case. All this proves is that if you throw enough stuff at people and say, you better get behind this, they will indeed begin to appreciate it to some degree, but they probably won't get out of it what it is that you want. So for example, let's just think of a possibility. 
a great character for moral deliberation in ancient philosophy and literature was that of Medea. And Euripides, in fact, wrote a play called the Medea. Other people tried their hand at it as well. So what if we take this figure of Medea and we just like make sure that every time that art comes up, we talk about Medea and why you should see this play or why you should read it and why you should look at the pictorial representations in painting or sculpture and all that. And we just shove it down people's throats. Well, sooner or later, people are going to get the idea. Yeah, I think Medea is pretty important, but that doesn't mean that they're actually going to appreciate that art the Greek drama, the literature, the paintings, or any of that sort of thing. They may just say, well, you know, I like the chariot she drives. I wish I had one of those. Or, oh, it's a terrible thing. She killed her kids. Sort of like that case over there in Texas. Or, you know, they'll make the wrong associations. And he says that this art is not produced by, by the masses or the mob, and it's not chosen by them. It's forcefully thrust upon them in public places where they have access to art. Like he says, that which constitutes pleasure for a person of the wealthy classes is not perceived as pleasure by a working person. Calls up in them either no feelings at all or feelings completely contrary to those it calls up in an idle and satiated person. And we can think about this with, you know, the popularity of certain shows that we watch. A great example of this are shows about rich people. There probably aren't that many rich people watching The Housewives or these other shows set about people who are going through these troubles, these sort of reality shows, which are quite popular in the general public. Different kinds of taste are involved. Not that I think Tolstoy would say that the housewife shows are actually genuine art either, but Tolstoy would say that what's really important is that we find art that can actually appeal to everybody. And he leaves us with a central dilemma. He says, all of these considerations lead us to the point where we're faced with a choice. Which of these are we going to choose? Either we say art itself is not really that important. This vital dimension of human existence, something that we see every culture, once it uh, you know, reaches a certain stage, engaging in. Is that no longer important? Or is it that the art that we call art namely the art of the elites and upper classes, the masters, as he says, that's not that important. And if that's not that important, then Tolstoy's view is we need to further the development of a different kind of art, art for the people, genuinely universal art. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.